I want to wish you uh, a uh, early happy new year. You know, I probably won't see you again until after the new year. So I want to go ahead and give you a happy new year. I hope you've had a blessed year in the Lord. I know looking over the year, I can see uh, the good times, bad times, times in the valley, times in the mountain, but God's goodness has covered it all. God's goodness always triumphs and, and prevails in our life. And thank God. Thank God. Uh, have you learned to thank God for the problems yet? <laughs> Took me a while to get there, but I, I think I'm finally there. You know, it is one of his favorite tools to use in our life. You know, sometimes someone will say to me, Pastor Tim, I just don't see God doing anything in my life. I don't see no indication God is doing something in my life. And I always like to respond, well, then you don't have any problems going on in your life, do you? <laughs> and they always like to say, back, say to me, oh, yeah, of course I have problems. Who don't have problems? Everybody has problems. And then I like to say back, well, then God is working in your life because just the evidence, you know, that you have problems, he is definitely working in your life. That is just one of God's favorite tools to use, but he can use all things, work all things together for our good. And I'm just so thankful for the faithfulness of the Lord in our life. Well, this afternoon, I want to talk to you about God's answer to the win question. God's answer to the win question. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to take a moment just to lean upon you. God, you are my help. You are my strength, God. Lord, it's taken a journey, but we have made that journey, and you have convinced me that I can do nothing. I can do nothing without you, and I am convinced of that. But Lord, I thank you that the end of self is always the beginning of God. God is when we can say in our heart, I can do nothing without you. That we learn to say from our heart, but I can do all things with you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So God, I'm just asking again, would you help me tonight? And my confidence is in the Lord. I have a confidence in God. I've seen your faithfulness so many times. But yet, there's just a sense of dependency upon God. Lord, I really need you tonight. And I'm asking that you would help me with these simple truths that you put in my heart. That you would help me. And I thank you, Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. So again, our teaching is God's answer to the wind question. And beginning with point number one. At one time or another, all of us have a when question. A question that simply says, when God? When? And the verse that comes to my mind is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, which says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when, when we're waiting on something, especially a word that we feel God has put in our heart or a promise that God has put in our heart, and yet we've been waiting on it a long time, waiting on that word a long time. There are times that we can just find ourselves beginning to battle with discouragement, battle with despondency, and we can just begin to ask the Lord the when question. Well, when God? When is it finally going to happen? When am I finally going to see it fulfilled in my life? 
you know, when is its time? And we begin, can begin to just ask God that when question. And I have a verse for you tonight that I truly believe it probably answers every when question that we have. You know, there's a verse in the scripture that, that God tells us when his timing is and when his timing is not. But I really believe it's going to bring a rest into our heart. But before we get there, here's just the way that I want to bring this message across. So here's point number two, slide two. Practical faith begins with trusting God with the obvious things. And I want to emphasize that word obvious. Practical faith begins with trusting God with the obvious things. In other words, practical faith begins with trusting God with the things that he's obviously going to take care of. Those things that he is obviously in control of and that he is going to take care of. Now I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Starting with me with verse 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have taken no bread? Which when Jesus perceived, he said to them, O you of little faith, why reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I spoke not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? So here we find Jesus beginning to warn the disciples and to beware of the teaching of the Pharisees. And then he begins to compare the teaching of the Pharisees to leavened bread. And as soon as the disciples hear Jesus mention the word bread, they begin to whisper to one another. Well, the reason why he's bringing up bread is because we forgot to bring bread. And he's just trying to gently and graciously reprove us and rebuke us for not bringing bread on our trip and the journey. So obviously they are worried about not bringing bread. And how does Jesus respond to this? Look with me at verse 9 and 10. He says, do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? So in this, I really want us to capture the heart of what Jesus is saying in this. You see, what Jesus is speaking in this is, is he's saying this. Why are you so worried about things that God is so obviously in control of? You know, has God not already shown you? Has he not already proven to you that he's going to provide for your needs? Has he not already proven that? Has, do you not remember that he's already provided for you? Do you not remember how he has met your basic needs? So why are you so worried about something that God is so obviously in control of? No, God knows your needs. 
He knows your needs and he, he's going to take care of your needs and he's going to provide for you. And, and he's already shown you that more than once. So why are you so worried about things that God is obviously in control of? Things that God is going to take care of. And slide three, please. Do we not worry about things God is obviously in control of? Do we not worry about things that God is obviously in control of? Are there sometimes things that, that we concern ourselves with and we even consume ourselves with that God is obviously in control of? Do we not do that? Listen, I want to give you a few of the biggest things Christians worry about that God is solely in control of. Can I do that tonight? I want to give you some things that God is in control of, but so many of us are consumed about. Number one, marriage. (laughs) It's going to be practical tonight. Is that all right? You know, so many of us, and I speak this with compassion. I didn't get married until I was 36 years old, so I know the battle and the struggle. But so many of us, we can be so consumed by the marriage question. You know, when am I going to get married? And who am I going to get married to? And Lord, is it this person? And Lord, is it that person? And, And we can just become so consumed with the marriage question. And I see a lot of smiles tonight, so I know I'm right on. Right? But listen, if that is you tonight... Can I give you a word from the word? Can I give you a word from the word? If that is you tonight, I just want to give you something that I feel is in my heart from the Lord. Can you put a marker in Matthew chapter 16 and go with me to Genesis chapter 2? Matthew chapter 16, put your marker there and go with me to Genesis chapter 2. Look with me at verse 20. It says, And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But to Adam there was not found a helpmate for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, it says, He made he a woman. And brought her unto the man. So here's the question that I just want to ask you. Very simple question. Listen, when God was preparing Eve. When God was preparing Adam's helpmate. What was Adam doing? What was he doing? He was sleeping. Now, I'm not trying to tell you if you're really concerned about getting married to spend a lot of time sleeping. That's not what I'm trying to... (laughs) No, see, the point is, while God was making Adam's helpmate, Adam was in a perfect rest. He was in a place of rest. He was in a perfect rest. And we can ask the question, you know, why was Adam able to rest when God was making this helpmate? Well, look with me at verse 22. It says, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Do you see in verse 22 where it says, God made and God brought? Why was Adam able to rest 
when God was preparing his helpmate. Here's why he was able to rest. Because God was making and God was bringing. That's why he was able to rest. And can I just tell you, I think the, the, the marriage issue is just one worry we don't have to be consumed with. Because I believe with all my heart that when it comes to repairing your spouse, God is the one who's making. He's making that spouse everything you're going to need your helpmate to be. And when that person is made and when you're ready, it's God who's making and it's God who's going to bring and it's God who's going to join. I believe that is why we can have a rest in our heart concerning this issue called marriage. And the Bible says, I want you to notice this. It says that he took a rib from Adam, that he reached in and he took a rib from Adam. In other words, when God brought Eve to Adam, it's as if she was a perfect fit for him. It's as if she was perfectly fit for him. And can I just tell you that when, when God brings our spouses, when he brings your spouse, it's going to be as if that person is a perfect fit for you. In other words, it's as if she's going to be or he's going to be the perfect helpmate that God has designed them to be for you and your walk with God and your knowledge of God and your revelation of God and growing into the image of God. It's, it's going to be as if she was or he is that perfect fit for you. But don't misunderstand me. When I say perfect fit, I don't mean you're going to like be exactly alike. Amen. I don't mean that at all. Me and my wife are total opposites in so many ways. So many ways. She is a very detailed person. She loves to go out, discover, and explore. Can I just tell you something? I can see the Grand Canyon in five minutes. Listen, it's a rock. It's a rock. Amen. You know, if I was to take my wife to see the Grand Canyon, she'd want to make a day trip out of it. We'd get there early. We'd get out of the car. We would hike all the trails. We'd explore all the caves. Listen, I don't even have to get out of the car. I can just see it through the glass as we're passing by. So it doesn't mean when, it, when your spouse is a perfect fit, it doesn't mean you like everything the same way. It just means they're the perfect helpmate for you in growing in the knowledge of God and the revelation of God and in your walk with God. Amen. And well, since I'm here, I might as well just end it with this question. Can I just end it with this question? Notice he took a rib. He took a rib from Adam. Let me ask you a question. What is the purpose of the rib? What does the rib do? It guards the organs, especially the heart. Ladies, can I tell you something in love? It's your role, it's your function, not to flirt with the man's heart, not to toy with the man's heart, not to play with the man's heart. It's your function to guard the man's heart. Amen. And men, can I say something to you? Paul says, when I was a child, I acted like a child and behaved like a child. But then I put away childish things. And can I just tell you something? It's time to grow up and be men of God. Right? 
it's time to put away childish mindsets and childish behaviors and become men of integrity. Become men of character. Amen. It, it, it's time. So, let me just get back to what I was saying. You know, there's so many things that we worry about that God is obviously going to take care of. He's obviously going to be in control of. Here's another big one that I found people worry about. You know, when am I going to get into full-time ministry? You know, I feel like God has spoken to my heart. He wants to use me in full-time ministry. When am I going to uh, break in the full-time ministry? But can I just tell you something? God is in control of that. It's in his time, it's in his ways, it's in his purpose. That is something that he's obviously in control of. So I want you to flip back with me to Matthew chapter 16 because I want to show, show us something that's very important. Matthew chapter 16. This is slide four. <clears throat> if we are not careful, we will miss the deeper things. If we're not careful. Look with me, Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> Look with me at verse 10 and verse 11. Jesus says, well, we'll start with verse 9. Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? Then he says in verse 11, how is it that you do not understand that I spoke to you concerning bread? That you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, because you're so worried about the things God is obviously going to take care of. It's robbing you from the ability to hear the deeper things. That's what he's saying. He's saying, there's deeper things in my heart that I want to talk to you about. Life transforming things that I want to speak to you about. But because you're so worried about the things God is obviously going to take care of, you can't hear these deeper things. And beloved, to me, if in our faith we can't move past the practical things that God is obviously in control of, we're going to miss the deeper life-changing things that he wants to speak to our heart. And I, I just can't help but wonder, you know, how many people are here today and God's trying to speak to you about deeper things. He's trying to speak to you about things that are going to transform your life. But yet we're still consumed with the things that God is obviously going to take care of. You know, in other words, we're still on the milk when by now we should be on the meat. Amen. I really believe practical faith begins with just trusting God with those things that he's going to take care of. You see, slide Five, please. This is my next point. <clears throat> we are free to seek God without being distracted by things God is obviously going to take care of. And we know this scripture well, but go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Look with me at verse 33. He says in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Beloved, do you know what Jesus just did in, just in this one verse, just in one verse? You know what he just did? You got to capture the weightiness of this verse. 
In this one verse, he just set us free from so many distractions so that we could set our focus upon the Lord. That's what he just did. He says, there's so many things that, that you know, you, you obviously need of, the basic needs of your life. But God was faithful to clothe the lilies of the field. He's faithful to take care of the birds of the air. And the Lord says, just seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And what I really love about this scripture is what he's saying is there's so many things that are distracting you that God's going to take care of. And because you don't have to be distracted by these things, you can set your focus upon the Lord to seek God and to seek the heart of the Lord. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So point four. Next slide, please. So what is God's answer to our when questions? You know, those questions of when, talking about things that, you know, in God's time and his way and his will, he's going to take care of these things. You know, these questions that we don't really have to consume our minds with because he's obviously going to take care of these things, our, our needs of life. So what is God's answer to our when questions? Go with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verse 6 and 7, but can I say this? If we would just get verse 7 into our heart, that would answer 99.9% .9 of all of our wind questions. In fact, I would dare to say it would answer all of our wind questions. When God win? His answer is in verse 7. But look with me in verse 6. He says, And they therefore were coming together. They asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own power. So the background of the scripture is the disciples are coming to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, is it now that you're going to conquer all the nations of the earth and one more take time make Israel the kingdom over all the earth? You know, is it now, Jesus, is it now time that you're going to conquer all the dominions and powers and kingdoms in the earth and elevate the kingdom of Israel one more time to its former glory? Thinking about Solomon's kingdom, when it was the reigning kingdom of all the earth. That's what they're asking him. And Jesus' reply is simply this. You know, you don't have to worry about that. Right now in this new covenant age, that is not to be your focus. And why were they not to worry about that? You know, they're asking him a win question. Is this the time, Jesus? And look with me at verse 7. Here's his answer. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And I want to emphasize those words, which the Father has put in his own power. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's not for you to know God's timing. You just need to know it's in his control. It's not for you to know God's timing. It's just, you just need to know that it's in his power. And because you know he's in control and it's in his power, then there should be a rest in your heart. There should come a rest into your heart. 
that everything he has for your life, every blessing he has for your life, everything he has in his will for your life, it's in his power. It's in his control. And that should bring a rest into our hearts. And that is God's, I really believe that is God's answer to almost every when question that we have. God, you know, when am I going to get married? Well, you don't have to worry about that. That's not something that you need to consume your mind with. You just need to know what's in my control. You need to know what's in my power. God, when am I going to break into full-time ministry? I really feel like you put it in my heart that one day you're going to use me full-time in the ministry. You know what? That's not for you to concern yourself with. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to be consumed with that question. Just understand that it's in my power and it's in my control. And that should cause a rest to come into your heart. You should be resting in the fact that no other power is in control. I'm in control. I'm in power. You know, I really believe that is God's answer to our win questions. You just need to know that it's not for you to always know the win. You just need to rest knowing that it's in my power and in my control. And in my perfect time and in my perfect way, I will fulfill my will in your life. Amen. Amen. So what does this mean to us? What does this mean to us? Slide eight, please. It means we are free to live for the benefit of others. Look with me at Acts chapter one. Look with me at verse seven. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. In other words, here's what the Lord is saying, because God is in control of your win questions. You can put your focus on the kingdom. Because God is obviously in control of your win questions and, and his timing and the way he's going to do things and fulfill things in your life. You know, you don't have to focus on those things. You don't have to worry about those things. You are free to focus upon the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what he's saying. There's so many things you don't have to focus on. No, no, I want you to focus on the kingdom. I want you to focus on how I am choosing to use your life to impact my kingdom. Amen. How many of you know God has a plan for your life? But do you know his plan is all about God? Amen. It's about God's glory. It's about God's purposes. It's about what God wants to do. It's about how he chooses to use your life. It's all about God. Beloved, can I just tell you this? You know... When we're always asking God, God, when, God, when, God, when are you going to do this? God, when are you going to do that? It's the evidence we are still focused on ourselves. It's the evidence we're still focused on ourselves. And we've got to come to that place where the question that consumes my heart isn't God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? But the question that lives in my heart is simply this, God, what do you want to do through my life today? God, who do you want to speak to today? God, who through my life do you want to touch today? God, who through my life do you want to impact today? You know, God, what's your plan through my life today? 
God, you're obviously in control of my win questions. God, I just want to know, how do you want to use my life today? You know, if you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. And I've learned something. The question we ask is not, God, what is your will for my life? Wrong question. The right question is, God, what is your will, what is your will for my life today? That's the right question. God, what do you want to do with my life today? You know, sometimes we can get so focused on the future, we miss out on what he wants to do today. We can be so worried about the future, we miss out on what God wants to do today. And the question that should just we should wake up with every morning is simply this, God, what do you want to do through my life today? Who do you want to touch today? Amen. Amen. And can I just tell you, this is where the supernatural life begins. This is where the joy and the wonder and the glorious expectation of seeing God do in and through your life what only God can do begins. You see, God's plan for your life is so much bigger than you are. So much bigger than you are. Why? Because God wants to accomplish a God-sized task through your life. God's not interested in accomplishing a man-sized task. He wants to accomplish a God-sized task through your life so, you can, so he can get God-sized glory. So I'm telling you, if you're doing anything you know you can do in your strength, then it's not God. I'm telling you, when you're walking in the will of God, you have a realization in your heart, in my own strength, in my own efforts, in my own talent and abilities, I cannot do this because God wants to accomplish the God size in your life. And I'm telling you, when you begin to live that prayer life of not my will be done, but your will be done, God, I, what is your plan for my life? God, what is it that you want to do for my life? I'm telling you, that's when you begin to live that supernatural life. That life of seeing what only God can do in your life and through your life. But some would say, but Pastor Tim, you know, if I'm, I'm living that kind of life, I will feel so inadequate. Well, can I just tell you something? When you're walking in the will of God, you're always going to feel inadequate because you're inadequate. You're always going to sense your inadequacies because we're inadequate. There's nothing in this human strength, in this human flesh, in our human resources that can achieve the will of God. You're always going to be inadequate. But can I tell you something? In all of our inadequacies, God only has one answer. In all, it doesn't matter what inadequacies you lift up to God and tell him, this is the reason why I can't. He only has one answer, and that answer is this, grace. Grace. God, I know what you called me to do, but I'm not strong enough. Yes, you're not strong enough, but here's grace. God, I know I'm what you called me to do, but I'm not smart enough. I know you're not smart enough, but here's grace. God, I know what you called me to do, but I'm not talented enough. I know you're not talented enough, but here's grace. He only has one answer for an inadequacy. And that's the grace of God. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Is that all right? I'm teaching in what I consider to be the greatest Bible school in the world. But can I tell you something? I don't even have a high school education. I got kicked out of high school. They booted me out of high school. I ain't going to tell you why. 
But to me, in my own heart, just God is using my life to teach in a Bible school. God, how are we going to do it? I ain't got but one word for you. Grace. Grace. Grace is everything you'll need. Grace will cover every inadequacy. Every inadequacy we want to present to the Lord of why I can't. God says, grace. 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 My grace is sufficient. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Beloved, here's the altar call that I want to give tonight. And the altar call, and it's, it's a cry that applies for every life, like we heard this morning. And it's simply this, God, I know you, this year, you want to do the absolute miraculous through my life. God, you want to do the absolute supernatural in my life and through my life. God, Lord, you want to use my life to impact your kingdom in a way that my mind could never conceive because you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all I could ever ask or think. And God, tonight, I just want to take all my win questions that I might have and just give them back to you. God, you're obviously in control of so many things. And God, I I don't want to focus on that. God, I want to focus on your kingdom. I want to focus on how you want to use my life. I want to focus on your plan for my life. God, I want to come to this altar, just hand to you all my win questions. God, you're going to take care of that. And God, would you show me your plan for my life? God, would you show me how you're choosing to use my life? How you want to manifest yourself through my life in supernatural ways to impact the lives of other people. God, I give you my win questions. God, you clothe the grass of the field. You take care of the little birds in the air. You're going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about that. God, I take my win questions and I give them to you. God, would you help me to find your plan for my life? That's what I want to focus on. Because your grace is sufficient for everything you are calling me to do. So tonight, if you just want to come and take all your wind questions and just put them in the hands of God. Say, God, you're, you're in control. I'm not going to worry about this. I want to focus on your kingdom. I want to know how you want to use my life to impact people for Jesus. So God, I give you my win. God, show me your plan. What is it you want to do through my life? If that's you, would you just come? And I just want to pray with you. Pray with you tonight. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, I just 
I just pray with my brothers and sisters that have made this altar call tonight, Lord. Lord, I, I do know there are things on our heart that we need to pray about. We need to lift up to you. We need to believe you for. I know there are things in our lives, Lord, where we, we need a miracle and we need to seek you, God, with all of our heart. But God, I also know there are other just needs in our life, God, just the basic needs of life, Lord, where you said in Matthew 6, your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. And he's going to add all these things unto you. Just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Lord, you said these are the things that the Gentiles seek after. And, and rightfully so. The Gentiles represent those who are not in the covenant. They, they don't have a loving father like you have a loving father. Who's going to be faithful to take care of all your needs. You know, they have a right to worry. But you don't have to worry about these things because you have a father in heaven who can't even let a sparrow fall to the ground without the presence of God. That's your father. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that, that some of these things that are weighing on our heart, that you're obviously going to take care of God. Lord, we would just hand them to you. We would put them into your hand and say, God, this is for you. And Lord, I, I want to set my focus on the kingdom. God, you said it's not for me to know the times and seasons that are in the Father's hand, but that I shall receive power to be a witness. I shall be, receive power to lay down my life and live for the benefit of others. I shall receive power to fulfill the call of God that's on my life, Lord. And that's what I want my focus to be. I want my focus to be on the kingdom. I don't want to live a life focused on myself and the things in life that I desire and I want. God, I want to focus on those things that have eternal value. God, God, what is your plan for my life? God, how are you choosing to use my life? God, what is it that you want to do through my life today? Is there someone that you want me to speak to today? Is there someone that you want to use my life to touch today, God? Father, I just put these basic cares into your hands. And God, I just ask you, what is your plan? How do you want to use my life? Lord, you have empowered me with the Holy Spirit. Your spirit lives in me. And he lives in me for a reason. You have a plan. Something you want to accomplish through my life. God, show me what it is. God, I don't want to live for my plans. I don't want to live for my goals. I don't want to live for my agendas. God, I want to live for your purposes and your plan for my life. God, that's what I want to live for. That's what I want to give my strength to. That's what I want to give my passion to. That's what I want to give my heart to. God, would you reveal to me your plan for my life? God, and thank you for empowering me and thank you for giving me grace. Grace covers all my inadequacy. God, if you called me to it, your grace is sufficient for it. And I thank you, Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.